welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frushik, and today I am joined by Christopher Plant. Chris? Yep. I, hello. Hi, are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Did you want more of an introduction for yourself? No, no, I was just going to let Did, you do your thing. You thought you were going to, like, get some, like, accolades from me about how great you are? I, no, no, I was just, I'm just here for the ride. Okay, well, ride along. Uh, we, it is going to be an exciting ride, hosted Hello. by your, oh boy, <laughs> our one and only Allegra Frank, who's going to be talking about something that I, this might, of all of the topics that we've ever covered on this show, the, I might know the least about this topic. How's wow. that for a setup for you? Hey, wow. I'm here to educate my boys. <laughs> what, what are we talking about today, Allegra? <laughs> Um, we are talking about, before I get into it, my boys, I want to ask, I'm sure you guys grew up reading comics. Not really. Really? I bought one comic when I was a kid, and it was when Superman died. I bought that comic. (laughs) That's a good one. What about you, Plant? Uh, I read, uh, The Simpsons, and I read Cable, because the Terminator was cool, and Cable was just a knockoff of the Terminator. Oh, I read a lot of Spider-Man, too. Oh, I guess I read Calvin and Hobbes. Does that count? Mm, sure. It's, yeah, I read that. It's not really what I'm thinking, but I yes. guess you could call me a real comic nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, were your comics the size of phone books? They were. Were they? No, they weren't. Some of those Calvin, like, compilations no, were pretty no, large. You're yeah. a liar. Cool. I'm glad you lived in a small town. Oh, oh what i don't well, even know what that means <laughs> the phone book was so thin oh got it <laughs> i get it um but in japan where comics remain extremely popular with people of all ages it's totally normal to get your comics in a giant phone book every single week and Whoa. not an actual phone book obviously but a manga magazine um a that's weekly- that how many pages is it like over 400 every week it's like the september issue uh like what the september issue used to be r.i.p magazines except in japan (laughs) where they're still rocking and rolling baby and we're talking about the biggest one of all Uh which is called shonen jump um the it's turning 50 years old this year uh, oh my gosh july 2nd so we're gonna do some little anniversary deep diving for for my boys here uh, I'm excited. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, you know, uh, we have comics here in America, and they come out, you know, monthly, weekly sometimes, if we're talking newspaper comics. In Japan, they borrowed that same formula um, as early as 1874. But instead of just having, like, newspaper comics that, you know, just a strip or even a chapter that came out, you know, in a paper that was, like, a couple pages, they would have an actual magazine, right? So, like actual stories like serialized stories in a magazine that would be printed on a fairly like weekly by weekly basis um so starting in 1874 with the very first recorded like version of this uh there was eshi i can't pronounce this because it's japanese so forgive me everyone for my pronunciation but it's eshinban eshinban nipinichi it could be is wrong is it ichiban it is not Ichiban. Okay. <laughs> it's Ichiban in the sense that it's the first one. Got it. <laughs> but so this was more of like aimed at adults, which isn't, again, super dissimilar from what we have here in America, especially newspaper comics. I mean, we have like Kathy, which is for 
Hilarious. Adult. People Hilarious. with a great sense of humor love that Kathy. Family circus for all those adults. Um, but these were more like satirical comics that were often reacting to the political climate at the time. Sure. Um, so a lot of these satirical uh, comic magazines were starting to be released starting with uh, Eshin Bun in 1874. But as for kids, uh, that wasn't quite a thing yet. Like the the concept of children in general, mm. like having their own sort of stage in life wasn't quite a thing during uh, this was um, right before the Meiji era. And this is a whole nother thing. But I recommend taking some Japanese history and learning about all the different eras because they're quite fascinating. But towards the toward the dawn of the 20th century, people start to recognize, no, kids deserve their own free time. They deserve their own, you know, products. And we mm. should market to them as well. Agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, by 1895, Japan was on board with that idea. So they made the first actual like manga magazine specifically targeting kids and boys in particular. Um, and it was called Shonen Sekai. So you'll hear the word shonen a lot. Um, so just to give you guys a little language lesson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shonen is boys. Like it basically means boy. And then oh. shoujo is girl but we'll mostly be talking shonen uh because that's the big one uh shonen is the bigger the bigger genre in japan for comics but Wait, yeah, why, 18... why jump jump well but yeah. it's that one's not called jump yet this not, one's called we're not that jump yet but that's a good word that's why. i am so sorry jumping way ahead <laughs> you are jumping ahead um i'm so sorry as well but so the first one was shonen sekai it had a bunch of I mean, comics, right? So, like, illustrated stories, specifically, like, adventure stories that, again, were serialized. So they would just have one portion of the story, and then the next issue would have the next portion. So it basically was sort of um, encouraging you to read sequentially, pick up this magazine regularly, um, which is sort of how, you know, a lot of these serialized comics work, like, you know, regular comic books. But even from the beginning, there was this division of, like, boys and girls, so boys manga were generally like action oriented about journeys and boys being heroes. And then there were series for girls as well. Just they weren't as much of a deal, but they were about like romance. So even as early as like the early 20th century, there was this very clear division. Was there like a time period that they mostly focused on? Uh, it was pretty like contemporary. OK. Yeah. Um, and the big thing. So like. You know, kids just like stories, but the big thing, and this continues on through today, is like these magazines, one, they were pretty big, but two, they would come with like baseball cards or uh. little puzzles or just like free things that were stuffed in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which was really awesome, basically. So that was <laughs> really awesome to get some baseball cards. Uh, but yeah, so that was very I'm sorry, what year is this again? So that's like 1895. Oh, OK. Wow. Yeah. And then this carries on until the very early 20th century when mm. they started to introduce new series and new magazines. There was one called Shonen Paku, um, which was very much based on the foreign comic magazine. So there's like, you know, adventure comics, right, in America. Um, obviously, this predates that, but the same sort of idea of like, okay, there's this banner name um, and then like a starring series so adventure comics one is you know superman things like that mm. um so they really borrowed that model are there any franchises that like from that era that still persist uh from the early 20th century no yeah 
yeah, we'll get to the longest running Shonen Jump series later. Um, mm. But no, ho, ho, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so basically manga magazines after now we're in like the Meiji era, we're really targeting like, yo, kids got to live it up, got to be free, got to enjoy yourselves. <laughs> so they're all buying these magazines. It really starts to gain success and not just with kids, like the ones for adults as well. Um are popular, especially as we go toward a wartime period and people need some light entertainment. Can I say one thing about yes. manga? I, I don't want to sound like a snob, Uh-oh. but I only really liked manga before the Meiji era. <laughs> From the 1870s. Mm, yeah, it was just like, that was before it was like so corporate. <sighs> Typical. I've heard that a lot. Plant. I will say my, my bar mitzvah trained me to read right to left, so I was very well experienced for manga. There you go. I'm oh glad. my gosh. Your Rama <laughs> half collection was rich. <laughs> <laughs> Rama half is great, but we won't be talking about it, but I like your reference. Um, okay, so <laughs> so basically, uh, manga magazines, again, they started out like kind of long, but not nearly as big as they are today. But literally over time, they just continue to get bigger and bigger. Uh, So they would put more series in them or the chapters would become much longer and they would become increasingly serialized. So instead of having like, you know, maybe a one off or a story that only lasts for a short amount of time, they would have series that lasted a really long time. Um, And the first one that really resembles what we have today is actually a shoujo magazine, so one for girls, which is cool. Yeah, it came out in 1954. It's called Nakayoshi, and it's still available today. Yeah, and it's 50, no, it's 64 years old this year. It started, yeah, so it's still running, longest running. Um, And it is well known in internationally for uh, especially one series. Can you guys guess a really popular manga series for girls that might have started in Nakayoshi? Sailor Moon. Yeah, you oh, got yeah, it. Oh, yeah, good poll. Well yeah. done. So, like, Sailor Moon, a lot of series by that artist, and a lot of, like, the well-known sort of sh- uh, manga for women started in this magazine. Hmm. Um, and same thing, like, it was literally the size of a phone book, and it came with posters, and it came with little, like, cutouts and little cards. So people were kind of compelled, one, because it's, like, this huge magazine like that's kind of cool you're getting a lot for not that much money these would often cost like four or five dollars for a huge book wow like all these chapters and then you get all these cute things and it's really cool um so that was they maintain this level of output uh so again there's a bunch of different series um Mm. and the thing is like in terms of like cost they the thing about manga magazines is they're made of like really cheap paper. So it's all like black and white and they're really heavy, but they're like super disposable. They're made to sure. be thrown out. And in terms of like the actual artists keeping up with that pace, I mean, they just work literally 18 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> they have no lives. <laughs> they have no lives. It's a lot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but that's how they were able to fund these things. That's why Nakayoshi became like a huge success. It was actually monthly at first. But it was a huge success because it was so cheap to make. It was so cheap for girls to buy. And so everyone would just buy it in boatloads. Um, and alongside the release of this first magazine, manga in general is just becoming really popular, like on its own, not just magazines, like series. Um, and let's think like, you know, there's things like Astro Boy, right? Like that yep. came overseas around then as well. Like it's just becoming the sort of 
phenomenon in Japan as well as worldwide. So a lot of companies were trying to capitalize on that, especially seeing like Nakayoshi was popular. So a ton of different manga magazines were coming out. And it was actually kind of cool because like it seemed as though they were competing with each other. So there would be a monthly magazine and then there was a biweekly magazine. And then dare someone try this, there was a weekly magazine. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So at first, you know, artists had a, a month to do their chapters and then they had a week. <laughs> so, you know, it was all about going corporate, baby. Um, but then there was this one company called Shuisha. It's this like big publishing company. They weren't really in the fray yet, but they were like, yo, everyone's making a lot of money on this. Let's get on this. So they came up with something very much based on this existing model of like, okay, we have this really heavy magazine sold for really cheap, made super cheaply. And we're going to have a bunch of different series in it that people are going to want to come back to every single week. Like every chapter will end on a cliffhanger or whatever. Uh, and they made Shonen Jump. <gasps> mm. Yeah. Now here's the jump plan. We're at the jump. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so on July, <laughs> on July 2nd, 1968, uh, Shuisha launches the first issue of Shonen Jump. And it starts out as a biweekly magazine because they're like, OK, we don't want to like dip our toe too far in you know we don't fall in um it had a circulation of a hundred thousand copies which was wow yeah which was a lot but oh it's gonna get bigger man it's gonna get a lot bigger are, are people mostly subscribing to this or do they get it from like a newsstand so the way it's usually sold is like they'll just have them in newsstands grocery stores bookstores all over the place like they're sure. very easy to find and you know they'll just put out a new issue same day every week and hmm. Yeah, people will just buy them. Like, they buy them, either they'll hold on to them, unlikely because they're huge, or they'll throw them out and get a new one. And what does that cost, like, today? It's still really cheap, is the thing. Yeah. Like, it's still, like, it's under $10. It's, like, $5 Oh, still. my God, that's nuts. Yeah, it's... I, I, presumably, they're also supported by advertising, I would imagine. Yeah, advertising. And then think about, like, a bunch of... We'll get into this later, but a bunch of these series, um, when I name ones you'll know, but Sailor Moon, right, like... That's also an anime. So yeah. oftentimes these magazine publishers will get some part of that cut. Yeah. So mm -hmm. and there's merch like there's a lot of ways to monetize these things. Um, so, yeah, by 1969, though. Nice. Uh, yeah. Summer of love. Really nice year. Summer of love. We went to the moon. A lot of things happened. Incense, peppermints. Da -da -da -da. Anyway, <laughs> we went to the moon. That's what I was thinking. Thank you, plant. Always on my page. That, that is, I am actually too old for that reference, and yet I, I still know. know it. I was surprised you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about Even Stevens on a different episode, though. So um, this year was when they moved from the bi-weekly format to the weekly format. So uh, some, some competition cleared out because Shuisha was killing it. Uh, and a lot, you know, there's only so many magazines that can sustain themselves with so many series that are so popular, right? So it starts to thin out. Um, there's, you know, a bunch of different Shonen magazines still, but Shonen Jump, like, immediately rises to the, to the top of the pile. So now they're able to support themselves weekly. Does Jump mean something in Japanese, or is it just, like... It's just, like, a cool word. It's a cool word, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, like, Jump, the English yeah. word. Yeah. Uh, so they had some really popular series, and the thing that was cool was that they weren't just, like, you know generic superhero they were actually like kind of niche and dark 
So the first really, there were like two popular series, but the first really popular one was called Shameless School. And the way it was described uh, in my reading, which Mm. was a lot of it was like fan blogs and stuff, which was cool, but also a bunch of like academic texts. I'll name some later, but um, was (laughs) the way it was described was it's very sexual and erotic, which is interesting. Okay. Everybody's nodding their heads. People can't (laughs) see what we're doing. We're all just nodding. (laughs) that sounds about right (laughs) the thing is like it's not intentionally it wasn't intentionally supposed to be like a sexy you know adult series because shonen jump and a lot of these magazines are mostly aimed at kids like younger teens but it kind of just turned out that way and kids obviously really liked that because you guys were boys you know you know what that's like jeez (laughs) So people were like, wow, this Shonen Jump thing, it's so provocative. This is so unique. So people were really attracted to, you know, their risk taking. So Um, was that like, obviously, risk taking is one way to put it. mm -hmm. The like, uh, I guess, blue nature of um, certain parts of Japanese culture. Mm -hmm. Like, is this when it first started coming about or was it, does it go back way Uh, further? Well, some people think if you're talking about like hentai and that sort of thing. Well, just risque stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need to call out specific <laughs> genres. <laughs> so this was definitely like <laughs> this was definitely like near the beginnings of that specifically. Sure. Unfortunately, my research onto uh other media is limited. So I'm not quite Well, it's sure. just interesting because, I, you know, obviously <laughs> Japanese culture is like viewed as like very traditional yeah. and conservative. So like this shift is like a pretty major shift, mm-hmm. I would imagine. So it's just interesting. Yeah. Like this definitely. I mean, of course, like he didn't necessarily intend it to be this like erotic series, but it did mark this sort of turn toward more of those kinds of things that are intentionally erotic coming out. Um, but mm-hmm. not in Shonen Jump, really. I, that one just right. kind of snuck past the censors. Um, but okay. something that really helped the popularity and continues to do so is that the artists and writers, the people who create the series, are arguably like as big of names as the series themselves. And the first person who was really able to do that, and this was like in the late, again, 1969-ish, late 60s, um, was this one guy, Hiroshi Monomiya. He was the first creator who like... His series, which I'm not even going to pronounce because I can't pronounce it. I'm going to butcher that. But he was like this really rad, like cool dude who like everyone loved his series. But also he was like not listening to his editors. He thought that his series should be one way. He didn't care about their notes. Like he was just like this Mm. bamf of a dude of an artist. And like all these other artists were like, wow, I want to work at Shonen Jump because he's so cool. Like it wasn't necessarily like, oh, that series is so awesome. It was like, these artists are really awesome dudes. Always pushing the boundaries. Literally always dudes. Sticking Mm. it to the man. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. (laughs) So, (laughs) so by 1971, so remember in 1968, right? When this started, Yes. Uh, the circulation was 100,000. So sure. by 1971, what do you think the circulation was of Shonen Jump? Um, I'm going to guess a million and a half. Okay. 4.2 million. <laughs> it's a million. Yeah, Dang it. Okay. 
I was pretty close. You were close. Um, so, yeah, I mean, popularity was super surging, uh, again, of manga. Like, it was just a huge thing. Like, by the early 80s, by the end of the 70s, manga was used in school as textbooks. It was used to actually teach history. It was used to focus on social issues. It was used as, like, pamphlets. It was used as bus schedules, like everything. Basically, hmm. everything was a manga, <laughs> Wow, which is really awesome. So, of course, Shonen Jump <clears throat> was a big part of that. And so people were really, really into reading it and buying it and all that jazz. Um, and so in 1976, actually, they released what remains the longest running manga in Shonen Jump ever. Uh, Kochi Kame is what it's <gasps> called. Are you I've never this? heard of it. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I kept expecting it to be one of the ones I've heard of. Nope. Nope. It's Kochi Kame. It's pretty funny. It's like this comedy series about this cop. And it's just like one of those kind of Simpsons-esque things where you can just put him in any situation and it's yeah. funny or whatever. So uh, it ended in 2016, I think. No, yeah. Koji Kame, no. Yeah. 40 years, 200 volumes, all what in happened? Shonen Jump every single week. I don't want to spoil it. Also, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> go on Wikipedia, Russ. I'm very curious. Yeah. Um, so it ended after 40 years. And that's the kind of thing that Shonen Jump would support. It's like literally people loved a thing so much. They were like, why would we just stop doing it? Let's yeah. just keep going. So every single week for 40 years, people just read one extra chapter of this thing. One goofy cop story at a time. Yeah. Um, so in the 80s, after all of this, circulation continues to expand and increase. It's like huge. Uh, you know, 1982, just a couple, like a decade later, uh, they're at 2.5 million. But then a couple years after that, like two, four years after that, they were at 5 million. Like it was Whoa. making these huge jumps. Okay. So was I that because like totally a popular series? I'm yeah. sorry. You were when just said, ahead of the curve. Yeah. When I said four million, everyone's like, oh, look at this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> look at this idiot who's time traveled and didn't tell us. What, That's uh, fine. Was that because like the big jump in recent in that like in the 80s? Was that because like a popular series launched or what was that? Russ, you're getting ahead of yourself. <sighs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. So it's a couple things. Uh, Shonen Jump was taking a bunch of risks. And there's a really good video, by the way, that I'll just credit right now um, by Yonko productions it's a youtube channel uh it's called the history of weekly shonen jump and he shared this really cool story that's like emblematic of why shonen jump was so iconic and so important in this industry because again right there's like a bunch of other magazines that have a like popular series but shonen jump is enduring because they were willing to take again these risks so yeah. here's a really good example have you guys ever heard of kinikuman nope <laughs> or ultimate muscle. I was. I'm ultimate just muscle kind of rings a bell, actually. Yeah. So basically, it's a series um, about this guy with a really creepy head and like a blade coming out of his head. It's really effed up, and he's a wrestler. Right. It's just like yeah. a wrestling series. Yeah. Uh, so the people who made that were mm -hmm. high school kids, which okay. makes sense to me because it's really stupid. Um, <laughs> so literally, these high school kids made it on their own, and it got popular just you know word of mouth. And the editors at Shonen Jump were like, yo, kids, this is pretty good. You want to come work for us? So they just plucked these high school kids to wow. come work for the biggest manga magazine in the good country. Good deal. Yeah. So no other company would do that, right? And, of course, you don't have to pay them that much. So yeah. they were, like, getting just acclaim from doing things like that. And they're also really, like, 
dark and violent series that no other magazine would dare to do, like Fists of the North Star, if you guys have heard of that. I've yes. heard of that, yes. Mm-hmm. That one's pretty big in America, or it was in the 80s. Uh, so that sh- series is extremely disturbing, and it was one of the most popular series in Shonen Jump ever because there was nothing else like it. So so the in each magazine, does it like run from like like all ages appropriate to like super violent? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not really like, oh, there's like little baby stuff. And then no, also sure, little, baby, but like, little babies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely things that are like a little more adult skewing. But yeah. if you even think of Fist of the North Star, like it's usually violence, right? It's not like actually adult things. It's just right. like absurd and blood. So like for me, an enlightened progressive person, I don't think that's that adult, but whatever. So, um, yeah, so it was like they were definitely willing to appeal to a very broad audience. There's a lot of mm. variety. But to your point, Russ, of like, OK, was there a big series that helped spur circulation and popularity? Yes, there was. Have uh, you guys ever heard of Dragon Ball? Yes. I know the song and everything. Yes. Beautiful. So in 1984, uh, mm. Dragon Ball began in Shonen Jump, and it is still one of the top-selling manga ever. So that's a real good get for Shonen Jump. It's huge. That was Goku. Goku, he's great. It was like their absolute peak. They still have yet to, you know, exceed that. They did so well then. Um, you know, it was like this cultural worldwide phenomenon. Was Goku um, a little kid when it started? Yes. And and so then he had a kid. He did. And also and, he kept going on and died a lot. And Oh, yeah. he died? He died Spoilers. so many times. Oh, sad. <laughs> and then he turned into a gorilla at one point. It was pretty great. That did happen. What <laughs> 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 um, does yeah. his power go up to? Uh, it's over 9,000. <laughs> over 9,000. You really can't go beyond 9,000. Like, you can't track it at that point. It's just like... Like, if you step on a scale and it goes past the meter, mm-hmm. that's where they're at. In the world of Dragon Ball, no one knows what comes after 9,000, so. Yeah. <laughs> got it, got uh, it. It must make accounting <laughs> very difficult. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that was ultimately the super big peak of mm-hmm. Shonen Jump. They had other really big series in the 80s, too, that helped uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Which, oh, yeah. Yeah, which is a... A very inscrutable series to me, but Tumblr really likes it. So if a reader wants to explain that to me, I'd love that. They also had uh, Slam Dunk, which was a, a big basketball uh, manga. They were willing to experiment. Like they've had really popular sports manga, Captain Tsubasa. They've had, you know, these action series with Dragon Ball. They've had a lot of comedies. A lot of people don't really realize that Shonen Jump kind of its bread and butter originally was comedy. Um, so, yeah, it's just like the, a lot of variety that appealed very broadly which was good but here's where things start to get less good and i think this happens to all magazines and everything in general that everything that is bad is because of the internet i think we can all agree very Mm. true uh i mean it's enabling us to speak to each other so that's an example of why it's not great terrible things yes (laughs) so uh in the 90s when (laughs) when the internet started to be a thing People would start to put manga on the internet illegally, of course. Oh no! Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know that's a thing that continues today. But I won't tell you about that because you got to spend the money and do it right. But uh, people were—it was easier to get access to these manga chapters without buying the whole magazine every week and then throwing it out and then buying it again. So Shonen Jump was kind of hurt by that. 
because especially it being the biggest one, like everyone's going to put the new Dragon Ball chapter online, dog, like that's just going to happen. So at one point in the 90s, um, Shonen Magazine, which was the biggest competitor to Shonen Jump, a lot of these were just called Shonen, which seems very, very confusing. Very Boy. confusing. Um, they took over sh- uh, over for Shonen Jump as the biggest magazine. And it took Shonen Jump, I think, 11 years to really get back on its feet and be What the did guy. Shonen have in terms of series? I actually don't know. So I should look that up because all the big ones were in Shonen Jump that I can like recall by name. Yeah, because I know JoJo's, I know Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. And, so let's but... see. And that one started in 1959, and the first cover of it was of a really scary man who's shirtless holding a little boy. But Yeah, that was me, uh, actually. I was the little boy. <laughs> uh, Common Rider was in that, Devil Man, uh, Hajime no Ippo. Okay, I know none of these. <laughs> so, yeah, like Shonen Jump's the, the thing. I mean, I know some, but it's Shonen Jump. Is, is the big one. But yeah. I think, like, at that point, they weren't necessarily having a bunch of new popular series, and also sure. Dragon Ball ended, so they lost a lot of their really popular ones. But then it came back, right? No, that's just the anime. What about... Oh, really? Dragon Ball Z was never a manga? Oh, so that's just called Dragon Ball. It's all Dragon Ball. What is Z, though? <laughs> that's the anime. Oh, God, I you understand. Fool. Oh, I thought that was another God. series within Dragon Ball. Like, oh, now he's an adult and he has a kid. Yeah, they just call it all Dragon Ball. Okay. That's for the Dragon Ball episode. Wait, <laughs> how do they spend those wishes? <laughs> Usually to revive Goku because he keeps dying. Oh, typical Goku. <laughs> Makes me think he's <sighs> actually not that good. He's not. Yeah. He's not. Maybe good. he's like only at like 8,300. Yeah. I think that the meter was wrong and that's why they yeah. didn't get the number. Who, um, so there an, were still impor- important series. question. Yes. Vegeta? Mm hmm. Good or bad? He's, he's green, right? Very. He's not green. That's Piccolo. Oh. <laughs> this is our Dragon Ball sidebar. <laughs> Vegeta is. I always good. thought that Vegeta was the green one because it sounds like vegetable. <laughs> Piccolo's the green one. Vegeta's the one who says over nine thousand, and he has the little like monitor thing. He's bad. He's from an. He's an alien, right? Yeah. So's Goku. Aliens aren't inherently bad. Yeah. Isn't it also complicated? Like, don't they change sides? Yes. Vegeta ends up being very good. Mm, Interesting. I guess I was right, and Russ was wrong. I I watched Dragon Ball Z. um, (laughs) Brief, brief. We're going to continue this brief segue for about. (laughs) I want to say two months in a summer when I was like 10 and across those two months, I probably watched 30 different episodes. Mm -hmm. And in terms of events that happened among 30 different episodes, I think I saw half a fight. That sounds right. If you've ever watched Dragon Ball Z, very little actually happens. There's a lot of (laughs) recapping what happened before and a lot of saying what might happen in the future. It's basically like an episode of The Bachelor. But very little new things actually happen. I will say that Dragon Ball Kai exists purposely to fix this problem. Good. Um, and that's all I will say okay. about Dragon Ball. Okay, I don't know what that is, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so by the mid-2000s, though, Shonen Jump had some new series again. Uh, you probably know some of them. Can you name one like current manga that is pretty popular from Shonen Jump like of the last decade? Naruto. Okay. What about you, Plant? One manga that, that de- debuted in the last decade? Yeah. Decade? Yeah. Or since 2000? Since 2000, One Piece. 
Yes, there you go. You guys got the Ooh. big ones. Yeah. Those okay. are the biggies. Wow. Uh, I do want to mention all I know about. Fact check your question. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I, all I know about Naruto, I know a couple things about Naruto, actually. Yeah. Okay. I know he's blonde. I know he has a headband. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an orange suit. He runs with his arms straight out mm-hmm. and he turns into a log. And that is the extent of my knowledge about Naruto. Mm-hmm. And also, didn't Naruto end? Yeah, it's the, over the, now. The anime <gasps> did, not the manga. Uh, the manga ended too. Oh, when he yeah. died, did he just permanently turn into a log? I don't know if he died. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sorry. okay, to your One Piece, by the way, it did start in 1997, but One Piece helped bring Shonen Jump back up like in the last decade. Mm-hmm. So that's really when like things caught on again, especially also with Naruto. Can I tell you my favorite thing about One Piece? Yes. The creator loves terrace house oh he would and i guess he's like besties with one of the panel hosts on terrace house ah uh, terrace house so for cool. people who are listening and don't know what it is because i realize that that might be a, a, true <laughs> it is a japanese reality show on netflix mm-hmm. and everybody should watch it i am so sorry we <laughs> you were on track so well for the first you were doing this great. episode and we have done nothing but but just ruined it. <laughs> I'm learning so much, though. I'm glad. Uh, Terrace House is great. I will agree. Um, yeah. So One Piece and Naruto really helped Shonen Jump get back on top. Its circulation is still way down from where it was at its height. But that's going to happen because exactly like the Internet is, you know, copping its steez. It's really hard for a magazine to keep going. But Shonen Jump has been for 50 years, which is very impressive. And in the same exact way, week to week to week. Uh, still new series all the time. Um, and they still release it as this giant magazine. Still as this big, giant magazine. It's massive. It's literally massive, but also it's like hugely popular. Huh. Um, one place where it wasn't popular, we're going to take a trip to a familiar land called the United States. Yeah, we're back I've home, been there. baby. So... Knowing that like Shonen Jump was super popular overseas, like huge, and that all these anime based off the series, like Dragon Ball, all that stuff, were very popular here in the States, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever, Viz Media, which is probably the biggest publisher of manga here in the States, were like, okay, let's just bring Shonen Jump to America. Why hasn't anyone thought of this yet? It's 2002. You guys are stupid. So they made their own version of Shonen Jump, licensing, you know, the iconography a lot of the series that they already had licenses to and following that model but they did it on a monthly basis Mm. um so the first issue like had goku on the cover it had Yu-Gi-Oh. it had Yu-Gi-Oh cards (gasps) yeah baby so it's outsold predictions um they had a huge marketing uh play they teamed up with the channel cartoon network which showed a lot of these anime to really promote it um and the first issue sold more than two hundred thousand copies Wow. Yeah, mm. which is amazing considering like they were lowballing their estimates and thought like, oh, this is a niche thing. But anime and manga were pretty popular in the early 2000s. Um, the magazine definitely wasn't as big. And a lot of these comics were already available like individually as individual books. But it, just the idea of like, oh, I'm picking up a magazine that has all of my favorite comics in it, even though they're like just individual chapters, was really awesome. And they had pretty covers and they had recaps every issue and they had like some one-offs that you could only read in the magazine. It was really rad. 
Um, and there was a girl's version called Shoujo Beat, which was great. Um, and it did pretty well, but the internet is a thing mm. and it is bad to magazines. And even though it is good to us at Polygon.com, it is bad to most people. So this media as a book publisher in 2012, they were like, uh, well, people aren't really reading our Shonen Jump anymore in the magazine form because we also have a digital storefront and everything is available online anyway, illegally. So let's just move it online. So Shonen Jump still exists here in America, but it's like a subscription service. Sure. But the cool thing is that like before you would be reading, you know, a chapter of some new manga months after it came out in Japan. So you were just super behind. But now there's a way faster turnaround. So they even have simultaneous debuts weekly with the Japanese version of that chapter. That's awesome. Yeah. Even though you're losing like the cool, heavy book and like the nice, colorful covers, you're still getting the goods and it's probably better if you're a legit fan um so yeah i mean it's it's still around here in the states too it's it's just never been as big of a thing but it's always been this very big niche thing and as for shonen jump over in japan uh they've really diversified again their uh selection which helps them to stay relevant so their series aren't as endlessly long like as you said dragon ball is really long with a lot of just staring at each other and not doing anything. So now they'll end series way earlier, um, like the whole series. So it actually has something going on every chapter. Some of the series actually star women now, which is cool. Wow. Yeah. I don't think they're drawn by women, but they're (laughs) women are in them, which is really great. Yeah. Uh, And also like Shonen Jump doesn't just do manga anymore. They also do video games. Uh, Jump Force is coming out next year. It's a fighting game. Kind of cool. It looks really weird. I've played it at E3. I hope that cop is in it. I hope he is too. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be great. And also, just a little plug here on Nintendo DS, you can't get it in America or in English, uh, but I got it in Japan. Oh, wow. So uh, it's called Jump Ultimate Stars, and it's like a big crossover fighter, kind of like Super Smash Brothers. Also, and you can get it pretty easy. It's called eBay. Try it out. If you want to get eBay, <laughs> but it's on English. So um, it's really it's good. It's called Google FAQ. it taught me the japanese word for yes so (laughs) thank you jump ultimate star which is i okay well it's high (laughs) but i mean it taught me the characters tree symbol (laughs) door symbol caught (laughs) (laughs) taught me the characters um they also have like awards that they give out to newcomers they have like all these different like contests to get like new creators to come write for the magazine, which is pretty cool. And they have this big thing called Jump Festa that you guys might have heard of. Um, they show all these new series there, including games. So like a lot of Dragon Quest games are shown there for the first time, yeah. which is a big deal. Uh, yeah, so it's like every December they have it, two days annually. It's huge. So Shonen Jump is still a gigantic influence on this huge industry in Japan. And it it still is like a major influence here uh, overseas as well. Like it's pretty much synonymous with a bunch of everyone's favorite series. And it continues to have a presence here, uh, especially with the manga and anime uh, communities continuing to be alive and growing. Shonen Jump is a big part of why that is. And now you guys know. Yay. You're all caught that, up. That was terrific. 
Thank you, Allegra. Yes, and Thank now you. I guess we'll go to the best part of the show. Yay! But I'll throw it to you guys. You guys should do a theme song. I'll, I'll do the beatbox plant. You do uh, the talking. Okay. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the show. We hope you like reader-only memories. Wow, 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 wow. I liked that a lot. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I picked out a few. Um, so a lot of people gave me really cute stories about just like their manga lives in general, like their favorite series, which was nice, but I kind of wanted to focus on Shonen Jump. Um, so here's one from Logan Burp. <laughs> I'm using <laughs> handles. I don't think his name is legally that, but I don't know. Sadly. <laughs> he said, the most in trouble I got in high school is because I took a call in class and left to talk outside when my mom called me to tell me she found more than 40 copies of Shonen Jump at a Goodwill. Yes, I bought them all. Um, wow. I, I love the idea <laughs> that he ran out of school to go buy these copies. That's very heavy. <laughs> that is very heavy. Um, at 625Ken said, I was never a subscriber, but I remember owning two issues of Shonen Jump and the very last issue of New Type USA, which was a similar um, manga magazine in the States. Also, it was like kind of a news magazine, so it wasn't exactly the same, but it had series in it. Uh, they were always way behind what you could find online, but just having a physical issue of this thing you've only ever seen scans of felt really special, which I think speaks to like why I still think manga magazines are really cool. And I think it's really awesome that they still exist in the same way, at least in Japan. Because it's really nice to have this bound book of a thing that feels very rare to you, mm -hmm. uh, especially like growing up, especially if you're in a small town like Shonen Jump was pretty accessible. It was at like every bookstore. And if you didn't really know other people who liked manga, here was a giant book screaming at you saying, hey, we we totally get you. Um, yeah, which I thought I thought was nice. So um, and here's one from at Bit Reduction. And they said, oh, wow, I remember being pretty young and seeing a relatively early monthly Shonen Jump at a bookstore and being so amazed by how much was in it. I loved it and had a subscription into my teens, but then regrettably sold the giant stack for $30 and this part hurts me. Metal Gear Solid 2. The mm. fact that they regretted trading those in for Metal Gear Solid 2 is a little upsetting for me because the worst Metal, Metal Gear, Gear game. Is... That makes sense. The best. That's yeah, terrible, but Sorry, we're not going to go into it. You said we're the not... best. Allegra loves that dumb game. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like those things pretty much depreciated in value like immediately. I'd be curious. Yeah. I didn't look to see how much those would go now. I guess they're like vintage, but you can buy all those chapters like in collections and they're all online. So like I don't really know value so the idea that it only like he only got thirty dollars or they only got thirty dollars for that is not surprising to me yeah so that's what i have but yeah the thread has a lot of really good stories also about shoujo beat the uh girls manga version in the states which was my favorite because it had all the cute boys in it yeah and the tiger the, beat of japan yeah the romance um, David Cassidy. This is the part of the show where we all show each other our armpit stains. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stretch because my back is totally destroyed from sitting in a chair. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Allegra. For sure. That was great. I, I honestly learned quite a bit about something that I knew absolutely nothing about. And now I can speak intelligently uh, about um, Sailor Men. Sailor Moon. <laughs> Sailor Men. I'm glad that I taught you one thing. <sighs> Uh, thank you, Plant, for being here, as always. 
Sure. I'm glad I could be here to, you know, talk about, uh, you know, stuff. Can we talk about, I, I think I did a pretty good job in knowing the names of a few different things. I had some polls, too. Sure. I said Naruto. L- listen, I'm, I'm, I'm busy praising myself at the moment. Okay, go ahead. No, that's it. Oh, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, everyone uh, at home. This has been the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. Um, make sure you uh, plant. Do you have a challenge for them? I challenge you to, you know what? Let's turn our reviews page on Apple Podcast into a celebration of the best manga that you think is underappreciated. And then I will just read it. Ooh. And really, I'm just using this as an opportunity to learn more. And hopefully other yeah, people I, can I want to know more there. about mangas. Yeah, and other people can go and share their favorite mangas. We're going to turn our page for a brief <laughs> period of time into the world's best manga forum. Yes. <laughs> so leave reviews, uh, talk about why you like the show, but also mention a great manga for us to read so we have stuff to read. And uh, thank you. We will be back next week for more History of Fun. I'm not going to say the tagline again. I already did. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Bye.